Alrighty then, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I'm Terry Lane here with Travis Marziani, and today we're going to talk about planning ahead and kind of the time frame we use to kind of measure life, business, and everything that we're being a part of too. So I guess the episode of this kind of came up to us like 10 minutes ago before we hit record. So uh, we're kind of winging here, but we're here to talk about, you know, do you plan three months ahead, six months ahead, or 30 years ahead? And part of the inspiration comes from two parts. Uh, one is from the Facebook Little Red Book. I don't know if you saw that go around the internet this past week. Uh, basically, it's an employee manual that Mark Zuckerberg made for all the Facebook employees. And the way they plan things is either six months or 30 years. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And the second part is by a guy named Dan Sullivan. Uh, he runs a company called Strategic Coach. I think he's coached over you know 13,000 entrepreneurs in the past 20 years. And he runs a podcast called 10 Times Talk which I've referred to a few times here, and uh, he kind of looks in a three-year window uh, in terms of kind of when he talks about his stuff. There's a book he wrote called The Dan Sullivan Question, uh, where he's saying, uh, you know, if we had the discussion three years from today, uh, what would you need to happen both professionally and personally to be happy with your progress? So today we'll tackle those two kind of perspectives. But before that, uh, we got to get some updates. So Travis, what's going on? Um, No, I mean, I've been going to some different e-commerce meetups and stuff. I went to one. It it was good, but it wasn't quite as good as I'd like it to be. Uh, so we're doing more e-commerce meetups if you're in the LA area. You should definitely come out to more of them. Yeah, I heard a lot of these are just kind of marketing guys trying to hawk their services to e-commerce people and it's disguised as like an e-commerce event. Yeah, that's one thing I will say. I, I was disappointed after I started up the meetup group, a lot of people that showed up aren't really e-commerce people. Like before when it was just the listeners, it was like 12, 13 e-commerce people and it was really cool. Uh, some of the more recent meetups have been a mix of people, which isn't a problem, but it's not. It's better when it's people not trying to sell you stuff, you know. Anyway, uh, for me, yeah, I just got sick, so I didn't do much. Uh, kind of unproductive week. So I was sick for like a week before, a month before this, and then I recover for like five days, and I get sick again. I don't know. Why. I think it's like the weather here in Saigon or something like that. I'm probably looking, looking to get out of here. I think. California, baby. Alrighty. So for this episode, we were talking about planning. So one thing we were talking about. Uh, before we recorded was that all right if we look at ourselves three years plus minus three years before we started plus where we're going to go like we had no idea we were going to be here three years ago right yeah no i had no idea i three years ago i thought maybe i'd be trying to get a promotion at my job Uh, to be fair actually about three years ago i think i realized i hated my job and i was ready to quit but i had no idea what i was going to do yeah same here so three years ago this is what episode 152 so technically i was like at episode zero Two years ago, and I was probably like, yeah, I was probably like buying a mic or something like that. I was like, man, what is this podcast thing gonna do? And I, I so I started this as a way to kind of research, I don't know, kind of like what was going on in e-commerce back then, because I used to sell textbooks when I was in college, right? And then I was like, oh, all right, well, just Dan was talking about doing this podcasting, so let's just see where it goes. And so, you know, here we are, uh, three years later, and I guess you know things are good, kind of not good, could be better, but I think you know it's still fun that. We're having this conversation and maybe we'll still have it three years from now too. It's something that I always found interesting about your stories. You started the podcast long before you had an e-commerce store, right? Yeah. So I started the podcast first because back then I was still working at a job. So I really only had like the weekends to do stuff. And then uh, I was living in Asia, so I didn't really know what I was going to do. And then I didn't really start the store until around 2014, like almost a year in, I think. By that time, you probably had a lot of knowledge, though, on how to run a store. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's still, the thing is, like, knowing it and applying it is different, too, though. That's true. So yeah. it's like, as much as you can talk about it, it doesn't really make, mean anything unless... Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. But, but which is, like, now, 
it's really easy to see like you know like like i'm helping someone with their store like when i log into the panel like you know hey this is what you need to fix like here's your email stuff that needs to be fixed and like suddenly everything seems very clear like you can see the whole funnel where everything falls off and where you can start plugging things yeah that's actually something i've been really curious i know this is a little off topic but like i've been curious if i were to start a store today knowing what i know how long would it take me to get to where I am right now? And it, a third of the time is what I imagine? Yeah, I think a lot of it too is depends on your table selection. Like if your product actually fills a big need or like is it hard to find or things like that too. I feel like that's like a big like 80-20 of it, I guess. Because I feel like the marketing stuff you can always learn. It's just a matter of like applying it to the right thing. But if you apply it to the wrong kind of market, it's not going to work too, I think. Or like it'll just take a lot longer. No, absolutely. I think if you're trying to sell something that people aren't searching for, it's a lot tougher. Unless you're trying to make a big change in the world, it's tough to, and for instance, the streetwear brand like you're talking about, there's probably not too many people that are searching for whatever your brand name is, streetwear, unless you're a big name person. So I feel like it's either a, a zero or like a million dollar business. Like there's very little in between. Yeah, I feel like those things where you got to break through to the consumer mind versus something they're actually looking for is a different approach to products and everything too. Yeah, so. that, that being said though, I've always heard, I mean, so the streetwear brand's a little bit different, but if you are able to create a new product that people don't even know they want yet and you can market it properly, it, it's a really big uphill climb, but if you can do it, I feel like then you own the category. A lot of marketing books talk about if you are, for instance, Kleenex. I mean, that's when you think Kleenex, you think of a brand, you don't think of tissues so much. And that's like when you can get a lot of power, when you can invent a word that is just a dominant, like you dominate a space, that can be huge too. That's a whole other topic. I feel like to do something like that, you need to have product domain experience where it can't just be your first product that hits. Maybe you can, but I feel like a lot of people, unless you know the market really well, it's really hard to make like a one hit product. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know, but see, I also imagine though, there's some basic skills. Like, you know, we talked about the other day public relations and like kind of how to do some media manipulation. My idea is that with Be Dancewear, I'm not learning how to sell dance clothing. I'm learning how to sell products online. And I hope that all the same skills I can apply, you know, to another e-commerce site. And I'm planning hopefully next year to launch another e-commerce site. And I'm going to try the spotlight marketing tactic. I'm going to obviously use all the paid ads, SEO, and all the usability experience I've learned. But I think that Hopefully, all that stuff will transfer relatively easy, even though it's going to be a completely unrelated niche. Yeah, one of the big things is that you look at like marketing and sales. Like, you know, I'm still trying to learn this too, but like you realize how important sales is. Like, they don't teach you this in school. Like, you look down upon salespeople. And it's like, well, you fund your business through your profits, right? But your profits don't happen unless you have revenues. Your revenues don't happen unless you make sales. And your sales don't happen unless someone's selling business. And usually that's up to you too. And I think. You know, where I think growing up, oh, you don't don't be a salesperson, don't be a snake oil guy. But when you realize, hey, your business, it's up to you to drive it. It's like, oh, then it's actually a lot more legit. Like, if you look at like Steve Jobs, he was the best salesperson, right? Like, you get like Gandhi, Mother Teresa, or like who else? Like Martin Luther King. They're just great salespeople because they can sell you on a better future. That's good for you too, right? And I think like that's a skill set we don't learn growing up too. Yeah, no, you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. Real salespeople, you don't think of them as salespeople. Like a, a good salesperson is giving you an opportunity to experience something awesome. Like the car, the guy that sells cars at the dealership, if he can be like, wow, you know, like this is the car for you and you go there, 
and it's not like he's trying to sell you on it, but like he's matching you up and he's giving you, yeah. Well, look at this. Look at the Elon Musk Tesla presentation versus the car salesman. They're selling cars, right? But the Elon Musk one, you'll like pause yeah. 30 minutes out of your day yeah. to go to YouTube and then watch the live stream or something like that. And you'll be like, wow, this is, I'm blown away by Iron Man here. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think that real salespeople, you don't think of them as salesy at all. And that's that's where the real art comes into it. And, and also, I think the first thing you got to do is to sell yourself first. I think that's something I struggled with uh, starting out. Like, like, like you need to be able to sell yourself first before you can sell someone else. So like, how do you sell yourself? You're talking about like talking, talking yourself up to like an employer or like other people? No, no, no. I think it's like you have to believe what you're offering is actually genuinely good and value add. If it was just, if you're just like hawking stuff, I guess like, you know, maybe you can, people can tell that you're being sleazy. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I think if you're, if you don't believe in what you're selling, it's, you're sleazy. Like it's hard, at least for me personally, I come off as sleazy if I'm trying to sell something that I don't believe in. But when I really believe in something, I still sometimes struggle, even when I really believe in something, because it's like, you know, I want to tell people like, no, this is the best product. This is amazing. But it's it's hard to do. I guess that's where the art is, is when you believe in something, how do you convey that without being salesy? Yeah. Another thing I wanted to add was that basically a lot of it, I think, comes from a lack of confidence at times. And not saying that I don't have confidence, but I think generally speaking, artists and entrepreneurs and people, they have those moments of low confidence when it's like, do I really believe in myself? And specifically something I know you and me both have been talking about at times is doing like e-commerce consulting. And I've thought about it at times and I'm like, yeah, it'd be really cool to do some e-commerce consulting. But, and I, when I thought about like the price point, I'm like probably like $100 an hour. And then I think to myself, well, am I worth $100 an hour? And when I really sit down and look at what I've done with my own business, yeah, I think I am. But it's hard for me to admit that because that's still this big barrier of like, wow, that's a lot of money. It's, does that make any sense? Yeah. So what would, and like, if I asked you like, hey, what would you do to charge a thousand hours? I'd be like, whoa, is a thousand even out of my realm here? And you know, maybe a couple of years from now it's not, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think if you really believe in what you're offering, even if, I, let me rephrase that, even if what you're worth is a lot, sometimes it's hard to believe in the worth that your full potential is. Yeah. Because in the end, it's also determined by the person who pays you or gives you money too, right? So yeah, absolutely. That's like the because you might think you're worth this much, but someone else might not think. It's like people value companies that oh, I'm worth a billion. I'm like no, you make no money, so why are you worth a billion? But we have future growth, we have revenue growth, mm -hmm. you know, we have user growth and blah, blah blah. It's like a lot of valuations, like I the beholder, right? Yeah, I've heard the same thing about uh, like childhood houses, like that. If you've owned a house for twenty years, you think it's worth more than market value because it's like, well, no, this is an amazing house, like. I think of all the memories I've had here, but nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's like one thing. It's like, well, how do you know you're too confident or not confident enough? And like, oh, that's yeah, that's a that's a tough question right there. And I think you kind of, from my own personal experience, you know inside when you're not giving yourself enough credit. I mean, that's not always the case by any means, but there's definitely been times where, you know, I'm doubting myself or I'm thinking like, you know, am I good enough for this? And you can tell like, hey, I'm being a kid about this. Like, I deserve this. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, so like if we apply this to the current topic, like say three years ago, like what made you think that you could run a store back then? I mean, store? it just sounds, it sounds funny, but I just knew I could. I've pretty much always, whenever I've really truly set my mind to something, I've been able to figure it out. I think one of my skills, and I'm going to ask you actually later what you think like some of your special skills are, but one of my like special skills is I'm good at learning new things. Like I'm good at, 
going in with zero knowledge of something and figuring something out. And I really enjoy doing that. Like I really enjoy just starting from zero and trying to figure out how do I accomplish this task? And it's, I love the challenge. So I think, I think knowing myself and my personality and knowing that I love this challenge, I knew I'd be able to do it if I really set my mind to it. Yeah, so there was a conversation I had with the DC the other day. He was saying, uh, some people in this world are like starters, some people are like groomers, where you take something from like zero to one, and then some, the other one person does like one to like N. Like, do you find yourself to be zero to one or like the other? I think other? more zero to one, uh, to be honest. I, I'd like to say I can do everything, but I don't know that yet. I, I, I might be in the middle ground too, where I, it's a tough, I really enjoy learning. To be honest with you, I think more than doing, I enjoy learning, but the doing is part of the learning experience. I see. Yeah. So I think for me, I'm probably the second half because I'm really good at spotting inefficiencies and like squashing them out in a sense that like, that I just don't like wasting time on things where like something can be automated to automate that. And so you know, I think that with myself, I'm, I'm not the best at any stage but I'm like pretty good at every stage. And I think that's my, like I'm a jack of all trades type of person, which is a problem if you want to be the CEO of a, you know, multi-million dollar business. I'm probably not your best person, but I don't know. That's, that's where I find my strength. Yeah, like one thing I realized ever since I started doing some consulting recently is that I think I'm probably better taking something established and tweaking it than to build something from scratch. At least I feel like tweaking something is more enjoyable than actually building it. So. Oh, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think I remember when I was first starting this, it was a grind and I constantly would be thinking, I can't wait till I have, you know, 4,000 people on an email list. I can't wait till I have X amount of traffic a day. That's when it's going to get fun. And it is a lot more fun. So I don't know if I were to start things over again in my head, I think like, yeah, it's going to be a blast because I know what I'm doing this time. But maybe I will find kind of like you're finding that I actually enjoy an established product more. Yeah, because I feel like at least for where I am, like, hey, we talk to all these people, we hear what they're doing, and it's just like, how do you take all this stuff and like throw it at something and then just like, kind of like a nitro boost? Yeah, and it, well, it's hard to do a lot of the, the fun internet marketer stuff if you don't have a lot of traffic, if you don't have a lot of past customers, if you don't have all this stuff, it's, it's like, well, oh, like split testing. We talked about split testing the other day, you know, A-B testing using like Optimizely or something like that. Well, if you have 100 people per month or 500 people per month, it's going to take you like two years to get any valid data. And that's no fun. Yeah. So I guess how far do you plan ahead then if you're looking at your store right now? Like do you and your uh, mom kind of do like a vision thing or how do you guys figure this out? That's actually a really good question. So the store itself is different because I was actually thinking we were talking about this more like my life, but for the store, I plan ahead more than my mom does. My mom doesn't want to. Like I've talked to her like, all right, let's figure out, you know, how big do we want this to be before we sell it? So I'll tell you for me personally, my goal is by next year that this is something that I can almost do more of a consulting role, to be honest. Like I want to grow it big enough. My goal is $80,000 in revenue for the month of November and more or less $80,000 every month after that. And then from that point, I think that that's the kind of escape velocity, the tipping point of if we're doing $80,000 in revenue, I don't think I need to be grinding as hard. I think that I can kind of let things just develop on them on their own, let things grow by word of mouth. And to be honest, I don't, I don't know if I really care if it's bigger than $80,000 in revenue a month, because at that point I'm getting my two to $300 a day, quote unquote, passive income. So that's what, that's where I see myself. Well, and 
dancewear isn't your true passion anyways. Too. No. I actually someone that I met up with a, a few months back, she actually told me, you know, every time I hear you talk about dance clothing, I can hear like the angst in your voice. And I'm like, that's kind of sad, but it's true because it's like angst in the sense that like you're not truly excited. You're about yeah. you're worried what someone's gonna respond. Yeah. Like, what how'd you get into dance clothing? Yeah. And I think as the business has become more successful, I care less and less about the whole dance clothing thing. But you know, when we were doing five thousand revenue a month. And I had to tell people I sell dance clothing and it's not that successful. It's tough. But, you know, now we're doing 40,000 revenue a month and hopefully soon to be 80,000. It's like, yeah, I have a successful business. Yeah, we happen to sell dance clothing. But kind of getting back to the topic. Yeah, my goal is to get things as systematized as possible to the point where I can get that two to $300 passive income and make life for my mom as easy as possible. I mean, my goal is to make it so she barely has to work, that she just kind of gets to do the fun parts and oversee everything. So, so I guess let me ask you this. When you were doing, say, 5000 a month, how long did you realize it would take to get to forty, Or did you realize you would even get to forty? Um, okay, so that's, a, that's another tough question. I think I thought I was going to get success quicker than I actually was. And part of the reason, part of the reason I didn't get success quicker is because I was traveling at the same time. And I, by the time I'd get into a routine and I'd start to get in this flow, I'd leave again and go travel, which is great and it's fun. And I'm not you know, disappointed that I did it. But at the same time, it's, I think once you get in that flow and you get in that zone, it's keep, keep with it for a little while because that's when the big success happens. So to answer your question, I thought I was going to get it within like a year, the $40,000 and it actually took you know, two years or What's your goal for the what's your goal for baller? Okay, in a year from now, what's the goal for baller? Uh, let's see. Hopefully 5,000 a month, I think. Yeah. So the thing is like this that thing is pretty automated, but one thing that I'm looking into, maybe there's some space that we can do in like store consulting, like operations consulting. So, I don't know that's something we might explore in the next year, but to be honest, it's kind of a quick question mark too. So One thing I really, and I know you know this, I really want to write a book on e-commerce. And by no means am I like the ultimate expert, but basically, kind of like we were alluding to earlier, I've learned a lot in these you know two and a half years. If I were to give myself all that knowledge at the beginning, what would I tell myself to make it as easy and as simple as possible? Plus, I like the idea of writing a book because it kind of consolidates all this knowledge floating around in your head. So that's one of the things I really want to do. I guess we'll tie into the little Facebook red book we talked about earlier. So I guess Mark Zuckerberg made a little red book like, uh, you know, the communist Mao Zedong in China, where there's like a bunch of quotes in this employee handbook. And so one of the interesting ones that stood out was six months or 30 years. And the saying that in his space, um, you know, you know where you want to go in 30 years, but you can only plan for the next six months just because the tech landscape uh, moves so fast, too. So. Um, it's a little short-sighted, he says, but maybe it's not because any other approach guarantees that what you do is obsolete. So I'm kind of curious what you think on six months versus 30. Because I feel like, I, I think I kind of agree with this because six months isn't that far ahead to look. Like it's just six months is like December for us, right? Yeah. In 30 years, like, all right, I can kind of see where I want to be in 30 years. Whereas I feel like three years, there's a lot of variables that can happen. Like three to five stuff can go wrong. You never really know where you can be too. This morning, I was thinking intensely about next year and pretty much I planned out all of next year and this always really bothers me when I do this because I have almost zero control of what happens you know more than six months away I, when I think six months ahead of time I think I have a relatively decent amount of control 
on what I'm going to be doing. And it's, it's healthy to plan that much. But past there, there's so many variables that can change that it doesn't make sense for me to even think about it. I still do it. Don't get me wrong. But almost never have I planned more than six months ahead of time. And I follow the plans exactly. I feel like one year, you're just like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. But like, do you actually get there? It's like, there's so many variables that go into it that I feel like it's kind of useless to maybe it's just my own like lack of discipline or I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like it's kind of like a waste of time. I think that, and I guess there's different types of planning too. It's one thing to have goals. Like I love the idea of big goals, but it's another thing to like anxiously plan. And it's when I find myself like getting kind of anxious about life and I'm like, well, next year I need to do this, this and this. And like, I need to make sure I do some bucket list stuff that that's kind of useless because who knows, you know, maybe six months from now, I have a million dollar business opportunity or I meet the girl of my dreams and like all these travel opportunities. It's like, no, I'm, they're not as interesting to me. I have no idea what's going to happen in the next six months. Which is why I think the other angle, like 30 years helps. So like, okay, in 30 years, I'll be what, 65, 62 or something like that. Oh, Jesus. So it's like, wow. at least you can kind of then, all right, by then I want to have this, like a house somewhere, maybe, you know, kids somewhere or something. Then, then, then that becomes easier than like. Well, you know, something that first quote, the three year quote was talking about that we didn't really answer. And I'm curious to hear your answer on this is, you know, three years from now, where would you be that you'd look back and be like, wow, I had a great three years. Like, I'm really happy with it. I forget the exact quote, but it's more or less that. Yeah, it was, it was if we were having this discussion three years from today, which means episode 300, if we make it that far, and we're going to look back at episode 152 and be like, hey, what happened, what has to happen in our life personally and professionally to make us happy uh, with that progress? So say we're recording episode 300 now, you know, what would have to so happen? So I'm going to ask you first. Yeah, for me, um, I want to be able to have the store at an income level where I can just kind of do anything I want and without worrying about like the price on a in a restaurant. Like if I go eat somewhere, I don't have to worry about what's on the menu price. Like if something's too expensive or that I shouldn't be buying. Yeah, I 100% agree. I actually, I recently at a meetup that I had in only four people RSVP'd and it was only me and another guy showed up. Anyways, at, it was a great dinner. It was an expensive dinner too. And when the bill came, he paid for it. I want to be able to be that guy. I want to be the guy that's like, yeah, whatever. You know what? You're a cool guy. I'm going to pay for you. So I want really money to be no object as far as that goes. Any other things that you'd see yourself if we were having this conversation three years from now that would be you'd make you successful? Uh, so, you know, so this funny. My, my mom gives me a lot of crap about not being married and having kids, but I feel like that's just her. <laughs> and I, don't, I, just, I, don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll be ready by that for that. So three years from now, do you see yourself like trying to get in a serious relationship or? Yeah, maybe, but, but, I, but I feel like that stuff, she has to be really into travel and like, what we're into too. Otherwise, it's just too much work to work out the differences. I think, I, mean, I don't know. It's hard to find someone that can understand what we do. Yeah, that, that is absolutely true. So three years, and I thought a lot about this when you were saying it. And I do, I have constant goals for myself. I have like, you know, three-year goals, five-year goals, whatever. But I don't really, I don't write them down necessarily. It's just, I know them in my head. So three years from now, I think I would have, obviously, B-Dance would be very successful. Maybe, honestly, for me, I hope three years from now we can sell it. I don't know, I don't know if that's actually going to be the case. Maybe my mom wants to stay and just work for it, in, in which case maybe I'd make slightly less money and, you know, whatever. So basically, a B-Dance world will be out of my life three years from now. I also have another e-commerce store that I want to start, which hopefully around this time next year I'll be launching. And you know a little bit about that, Terry, but I'll keep that hush-hush for now. 
Uh, hopefully, three years from now, that'll be successful, up and running, you know, a pretty big brand. And also, one of two things. Either I'd like to start doing some e-commerce consulting because I found that I enjoy learning, like I said earlier, more and solving like new novel problems more than I like the daily task of working on the same problem over and over again. I, I know that doesn't make perfect sense, but basically I like novelty and I like talking to people. So I feel like consulting would be a cool thing for me. Or the second option is, and I've talked about it I think before on this podcast, uh, there is a like an app website type thing that I'm really interested, but I don't know. That's a, one of those two things I'll be starting on, hopefully, is my goal. Yeah, well, the consulting thing should go along with the book thing too, right? So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the other thing you're talking about is pretty exciting too. So uh, maybe someday we'll talk about that. Uh, not ready yet, but uh, we'll see. Do you want to give any hints about that? or? Uh, it's It's a... A natural, no, that sounds goofy if I say natural supplement, but it, it's like food as supplement rather than like, you know, these real health food. It's not like this crap that's filled with all kinds of junk. I mean, should I give more of a hint or is that enough? Let's just say it's a blend of food, technology, and body hacking. How's that? Not, not too much technology, more, more the body hacking. There's no microchips in your food. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I guess three years from today. So I guess, um, you know, episode 300, I guess, for the episode, hopefully we'll still be there by then. And we can look back and kind of talk about this again and, you know, realize how stupid we were. I guess we'll play this episode on episode 300 and be like, wow, we were so dumb back then. Oh, I'm sure. I think that's something I've learned to admit is no matter how smart I think I am at any age, I know three years from then I'm going to be like, wow, I was such an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Look at myself three years ago. I was like, wow, I was really dumb for doing this and doing yeah, that. Yeah, I, ho I hope someday that goes away. But my opinion is in, until I'm like 80, that's not going to really go away. Yeah, I don't think it does because you always get, as you get older, you just get wiser. And when you look back, you can only look back at you were what you didn't know, right? So it always happens that yeah. you think you were dumber when you were young. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Exactly. All right, then. So that's it for this episode. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Hope you guys enjoyed this. If there's any questions, let us know. Uh, buildmyonlinestore.com uh, is our emails. Uh, Terry at Travis at. And uh, make sure to check out our course, Spotlight Marketing. Buildmyonlinestore.com slash Spotlight Marketing. It's basically a strategy that you can use to interview your customers to get them the right content for you. SEO, traffic, sales, and all that stuff. So that's it. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great week. Bye.